what we are so grateful of is your marvelous grace. It's greater than our sin that we could not pay for. Today we rejoice in your grace that you have saved us, Lord, and called us to yourself. And we pray that as many as have not known this grace, Lord, that you will draw them yourself by your power and by your grace to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Lord, as we share your word and listen to it, we pray that you may speak to us. That God, you will delve into our spirits, Lord, into our heart, into the deepest part of us, Lord, that you may help us to understand your scriptures, and that, Lord, our lives may be changed and transformed by the power of it. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Thank you very much for the work that has been going on. By the way, I was at home last weekend. They started a fellowship and I was blessed. Wakatuma salam. Wakasema ni wasalimi. I think that will be my home church now. <laughs> By default. <laughs> Thanks, Dan, for sharing First Peter chapter 5. So I'll be picking up from where you left. First uh, Peter chapter 5 gives what I may call commands or imperatives theological language commands that God expects us to abide by for our growth as we walk this walk of faith he commands the elders tells them, shepherd the flock your role as an elder or as a pastor is to shepherd the flock, to teach or to pastor and not to take advantage of the people, it is not about making money or dishonest gain, but about shepherding. Kwa mchungaji. Imagine mchungaji ambaye batila ya kulinda kondo, his intention is to feed on the flock. Siwa flock wataisha. Very unfortunate that in today's world, that for one to start a church, you need just entrepreneurial skills and not theological training. Very unfortunate. What God is teaching us here is that the shepherd is to take care of the flock, to teach them so that they can mature and then not to be taken advantage of by the wolves. Warn them about the wolves and teach them. One person said that if you are not warning the flock about the wolves, then you might just be preparing them for lunch. So you have to warn them about the flock, about the wolves. Somewhere I was trying to look for this scripture, I have not found it. It's in one of the Corinthian letters where Paul says that we are just helpers of your joy. Not, we are not masters of your faith, but helpers of your joy. That those who are elders or who serve in ministry are not like the ones who are close to God. But together we are in this growth, and they are just helpers of your joy. Not those who lord over those who are below them or under them. Verse 4 finishes by saying that Christ himself is the chief shepherd who will appear. And when he comes, he will, we will, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. A promise to us as we serve him. Verse 5 
begins with a command to submit, to realize that we are under authority and we have to submit to those of us who are in leadership or the elders who are leading us. Danny will remind me about the time. Uh, and then he commands us to be humble, humility, with a warning that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God will resist those who are proud, but he gives grace to those who are humble. So I'll be beginning from verse 7, where Dan stopped at verse 6. So I'm beginning from verse 7. And uh, I've entitled my sermon as Trust, Vigilance, and Hope Through Suffering. Trust, Vigilance, and Hope Through Suffering. Verse 7 begins by saying, or simply says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Or in other words, casting your anxiety or your worries to him. He is watching over you. God is watching over us. You know, we live in a world which is anxiety-driven. And we risk thinking that we are the ones in charge. We want to take care of everything, not knowing that God is actually in charge of everything. You see, while pride makes us to be self-reliant, humility teaches us to depend on God. No wonder the connection that humble yourself under the might hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Then casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. It's a promise to us that God cares for us. You see, uh, in today's world, there is so much about uh, stress management or anxiety management. We are worried about what will happen tomorrow? Will my children have school fees or will my children grow up the way they should grow up? We are worried about how our children will turn out, how long will I live? You are worried about, people are worried about life, that they think that they have to be so careful about what they eat, do all kinds of exercise to just prolong their life. They think that by doing that they will prolong their life. Of course, we don't downplay the need for doing things, living healthy, so that you can be vibrant and effective. But not by worrying, you cannot add one day to your life. Christ said that no one by worrying can add a cubit. A cubit is about 18 inches. Distance of about, length, not distance, of about from your elbow to your fingers. About 18 inches, eh? By worrying, or being anxious, taking, thinking that you can take care of all things, does not change anything. In fact, uh, worry or anxiety is as a result of us failing to understand God's priority for us. Let's look at uh, Luke. Luke writes uh, in chapter 12, the, the same writings, you'll actually find them in Matthew chapter 6. So Jesus speaks to his disciples in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. He says to his disciples, 
By the way, before he gives this, what he's about to say now, he has given them a parable of a rich man who accumulated so much and said, Sasa ni mepata yin nikuwa nataka. Wacha nikai sasa, akambia nafsi yaki, ama soli yaki. Tukule sasa to enjoy. Then, akambiwa na mungu, wea mujinga, leo na chukua roo yaku. So Jesus then continues to tell them, Therefore I say to you, verse 22, he's speaking to his disciples, do not worry about your life, what you eat, what, about, what you will put on, your body, what you put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. He tells them to consider the ravens who neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. So, God's priority for our life is it really just so that we eat? Are we just eating machines? <laughs> and machines we put on. Today's world is full of food and fashion. Eh? It's all about food and fashion when you open social media. Is it what life is just about? God has a greater purpose for us to be his witnesses in this life. The, the charge that Christ gave to his disciples when he left. Go into the world, make disciples. So we are not just here to eat and make merry and clothes. So that God's priority is beyond the material things that what he says the world worries about what the Gentiles seek, or what the people of the world seek. So being worried is because of failing to understand God's priority for our life, which is that he has a purpose for us to fulfill. You see, if God saved you, or he brought you into his kingdom, you can be sure he will sustain you for that purpose, or plan that he has for you. So live for his glory. Do you think he will call you into his kingdom? Alapa nasema, nimekuita basi, lakini nangana kabisa, usikufe mapema, sustain, try as hard to unangane mpaka siku ya mwisho. If he called you, then it means he has the plan to use you. And his, his priority for you is bigger than just what the world offers. That is why he asks us not to worry about the world or the things of the world. You see, Hebrews 13.5 says that be content with such things as you have. For I have said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. But how comes you worry so much about things? About whether I will get a good job? You are worried about uh, 20 years from now. You don't even know whether you will be there in those 20 years. <laughs> Yet you are worried about those 20 years from now. You are worried about many years to come and you don't know how things will turn out. But our worry means that we don't understand or appreciate God's sovereignty. That is the one who has charge over the future, which we don't understand or which we don't know. He's the one who has charge and understands the future so that I can relax and give glory to him and be involved in his service rather than being worried. They say that worry is like um, if you take seven city blocks, he's building Kubwa, seven of them, these skycrapers, seven of them, fog, dense fog that fills seven city blocks. 
Yet, if you are to collect the amount of liquid that makes up those seven dense, that dense fog, it only fits in one glass of water, <laughs> made up of 60,000 million droplets. So, something so small can create fog so that you cannot see what God has for us. He has called us and he has planned for every believer. And to worry means not to trust God's sovereignty and care. If I'm worried and concerned about my future, will I have enough money when I retire? <laughs> will I have, will I get a wife or a husband? Eh? It simply means I am not trusting God for his care. You are worried about, hey, if, if I don't stock or accumulate enough, will I, will my life be safe? Will I be secure in my future? And the world is all about pumping, eh? take care of your future. And when you count many years down the line, you realize, eh, what have I, have I really made any steps towards my future? That's what the world is concerned about. Of course, the Bible does not tell us to be lazy and not to plan and work hard. But even as we are good stewards, we must understand that it is only God who sustains us until the time when he takes us home. Paul says, For your sake, I will prefer He's a man who says that, uh, who tells us not to be anxious but in all things to give our cares to God. So it's a command that we should not be anxious, but give our cares to God, because he cares for us. He cares about the small things. If, if God will take care of birds of the air, how about you? whom the Bible says was made in the image and likeness of, of God. How about you who can give glory to God? So, this encouragement is what the gospel offers us. The gospel offers anxiety-free living. It's part of what the gospel offers us. We don't have to worry to death. We can relax and serve God today. I have a sister who used to become very mad about life because she was not blessed. She has not been blessed to have a job. Sasa ni kemuliza watoto wako leo wamekula na wako ramari pakulala anazema ndio na hata wamekula na wako ramari pakulala na wako nangu. Then I tell her, so why are you worried about tomorrow? Yet God has provided for you today. We worry so much about tomorrow until we are not involved in what God has called us to do today. Paul, uh, Peter moves on to in verse, verse 8, saying, Be sober, be vigilant. I don't know what your version says. Some version will say, be watchful. <laughs> be alert. In Kiswahili, we have macho. Actually, some of the Kiswahili versions have kesha. Unajua kukua kesha na kukesha na manisha, unakuwa macho kabisa. Sio kulala. Literally, 
usiingie kwa usingizi we are not meaning literal sleep kuwa macho be watchful be alert or be awake the, the word be sober is uh, a word that talks about not be to be intoxicated if one is intoxicated or inebriated with alcohol they will not be sober so in this the use of this word here is metaphorical meaning if if you are self restrained or you have self control you you are in control you you can you know what's happening eh? you have your priorities right or in proper order you are not intoxicated by the elements of this life the same word is actually used in 1 Timothy 2:15 which means self control 1 Timothy 2:15 so this call for us to be vigilant is why why does peter call the believers and ask them when macho musilale it's because and then introduces us to the devil he introduces them about the evil one because you are konini mukwe macho kwa sababu there is a real enemy of your faith your adversary the devil walks around or about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour kwa Kiswahili nasema inatafuta yule ambaye atamumeza yule ambaye anaweza kumumeza so we are why is scripture asking us to be alert because there is an enemy on the loose if you learn that there is a a lion that has run away from the park in your neighborhood how many of you will just be walking around uh, relaxed so utakuwa macho mbaya sana tena utakuwa macho sana so unfortunately in, in, in christianity kuna aina mbili kuna wale wa kristo wenye wameenda on the there are two extremes eh? there, there is an extreme where those who see the devil in everything eh? kama kuna common cold kama kuna homa wana wanatafuta ule shetani ule roho wa, wa, wa homa wanavuja mbaza <laughs> when i was still growing up in my faith i, I used to think that we really have to fight the devil tulikuwa na ile maombi yenye unaenda tu kupigana na shetani kuna type ya unaenda kwa mlima mlimani hiyo ni kupigana tu na shetani unavunja na kubind but my question is when he, when brother Emmanuel binds him will he still be loose how comes he has to come here tena nakuru wana bind yet the guy is always on the loose so we have that extreme that sees the devil in everything and then we have an extreme that they don't care kuna wale wenye ah god took care of the devil so we shouldn't bother <laughs> but the warning here is that there is a real adversary of our faith who works in ways that we may not see scripture gives us glimpses of how the devil works he uses deception for example deception the way he deceived eve akamwambia eh seems to make the devil the, the evil thing think ni wewe ndio ukuelewa mungu vizuri he uses lies deception the, the bible tells him the father of lies 
So he can deceive us in many ways. He can challenge God's word and say, well, did God really say that? Did God really say that? He even challenges Christ, eh? tells him, if you are the son of God. So wants to make you doubt. Kama wewe kweli ni mutoto wa mungu. Kama wewe kweli ni mutoto wa mungu. Bas. So wants to make you doubt. So he can use doubt. He can use, uh, he can disguise himself as an angel of light. And we see that happening a lot in false, what we may call false uh, servants of God. They are not true servants of God. The enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. So he may use evil men who may creep into the church and deceive using uh, doctrines of demons. So the enemy can attack the church. Revelations 2, 3. He can blind unbelievers. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. Eh? They want to continue in their sin. He can tempt the way he tempted the Lord, offering a false alternative. He snatches the word of God from people's hearts, chokes their faith, 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, and also the parable of the sower. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. So he can accuse you before God and say, Puyo uh, jamaa, so makes you to doubt your faith and yet scripture promises you that Mungu amekupokoa lakini he makes you doubt accuses you because of your struggles and failures he can attack leaders in the church look at 1 Timothy 3:7 he can attack families 1 Corinthians chapter 7 i'm just rushing through these ones he can twist scriptures <laughs> The enemy orchestrates evil in the world in many ways. He can be involved in uh, influencing evil policies in governments or institutions. Eh? So, we have to understand, we should not... Uh, uh, Paul says that we are not ignorant of the devil's, the devil's devi uh, what? devices eh? <laughs> Which, or schemes. We should not be ignorant. We are not ignorant. So we should not be those ones who say, ah, God took care of the devil. Hakuna kujisumbua. Uh, Paul, I mean Peter, wakes us to this reality. To Jue, combat there is a real enemy who is on the loose. Adversary, by the way, ni kama mukikuwa kwa koti, munafanya case. An adversary is an opponent in a lawsuit. And the devil means slanderer, or one who throws things against you. Some parts of the scripture will describe him as accuser of the brethren. What does he want? He is out to devour. He wants to frustrate us and make us live defeated lives. He wants to mess up our witness so that we are not effective or involved he wants us to be discouraged, live defeated lives where we are not waging war against sin. So we are not supposed to be ignorant of his devices. The enemy works using the systems of the world. The way he, when he came to deceive Eve, Anamwambia, kweli mungu alisema kweli. 
then Eve, then Eve, the Bible says that Eve realized that the, good, the, the tree is good for food. Na ni mzuri tena kwa macho. Na tena, ukiikula na kufanya unakuwa na hikima sana. It makes you wise. You can see the lust of the flesh, good for food. The lust of the eyes, mzuri sana kwa macho. And makes one wise, the pride of life. The enemy may use uses the system of the world, the alluring world system. The Bible says, what is in the world? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. To capture our minds, so that we are not focused on Christ. You see, I don't believe that demons read our minds, or plant dots, eh? but I believe that they work through the systems of the world to entice or our flesh to entice us. Our disobedience may work as an opening that may make the evil one to affect us negatively. Like Ananias and Sapphira, where Peter and I rebuke Ananias and Amwambia, Satan has filled your heart. So we don't have to bite the evil one. Because how long does a binding last when he is bound once? Does it mean that, why does he have to be bound now and then you bind him again in the evening? The enemy is not um, omnipresent like God. Mungu wako kila mahali. Lakini shetani ayuko kila mahali. But he has his legion of demons which he uses in that evil kingdom to advance their evil agenda. So the question is, how do we deal with Satan. There are so many popular books which are false. We just need to go to the Bible telling us how to deal with him or how to overcome demonic forces. You don't need techniques. There is too much superstition. I'm sure you have come across. There's too much superstition, mysticism about altars. We want to erect an altar or a sit altar for God altar, or maybe give us an offering that will speak for you and then it will get rid of evil. There is too much about these things eh? and they will warn you that if you don't do that uh, the enemy will be eating you for breakfast <laughs> if you don't apply those barriers that you see the idea is to charge Christians to deal with Satan <laughs> and that it depends on their prayers and binding than on God's power. That makes the Christian the hero, and not God. You see, the devil is a powerful and sinful that even Michael, the archangel, said in the book of Jude, the Lord rebuke you. Of course, the Bible talks about the devil being bound for a thousand years eh? in the book of Revelation chapter 20. Before that, he is not bound, and we can't bind him. He will again be on the loose to deceive a few more people before the end. Only Jesus can dispatch angels to bind him. So what do we do? Peter Natuambia, resist him. Resist him. Creating a barrier of defense. Resist him. So be alert, be watchful. Watch your surroundings. That means take potential of your temptations. Eh? 
being alert means that you should be aware that the enemy may use certain things to deceive. We, we are not supposed to be ignorant. So how do we resist him? How? <laughs> Verse 9. Steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. When the Bible talks about faith, it faith includes the truth of God's word. The revealed truth of God's word. Our, our Christian faith is based on the truth of God's word. And faith also is about trusting in God. So, being firm in our faith is being firm in our Christian truth and trusting God. What am I saying? Living in accordance with the truth of the word. Because the truth of God's word is what makes up our faith. Our faith is based on uh, nothing. Eh? We believe the gospel because that's what has been revealed in scripture. And then our faith is about our trust in God. So being steadfast in our faith. So if you, we want to overcome the evil one, we need to know the truth, to believe the truth, to stand on the truth, and to obey the truth. And what's that? God's word. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Stand firm. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is somewhere after Galatians. If you are in Revelation, Umeenda Sana, Rudi Numa, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, brethren, from verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles need the schemes. Ile mitego. Ile ukora inyanatumia. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So our Christian war is not merely, but against an evil system, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. He goes on to describe that, but I will want to jump to verse 9, 14. Stand therefore. Those are the same words being reiterated. Be alert. Yeah? Having guarded your waist with truth. Ukweli, truth, God's word. We resist him by being, being firm. Stand firm. Huh? Being ready. Nikama soldier mwenye akotayari. Yani akomacho. Standing firm. Huh? Then, having your loins guarded with truth. It's a commitment to the truth. Not just knowing God's word, but being committed to it. How can you be committed to it? Living it. He goes on to say, uh, having your feet, uh, I mean, um, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Obedience, eh? Live a, a life that is right before God. You have been called to righteousness, so live a righteous life. So it's not mystical. God's word, knowing it and living it, being ready, commitment, eh? having shot your feet with the preparation for the gospel of peace. The gospel promises, having 
uh, confidence in the gospel. The gospel is what gives us peace. Eh? That he has saved me, not because of what I could do, or can do, or will do, but because of his own grace, he has saved me. That gives me peace. Eh? I am not trying to look for a big offering to make God like me. So confidence that you have peace with God comes because of the gospel. So having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Shield of faith. Eh? Just believing in God that he is able and he is in charge. You are not the one in charge. He's the one who is in charge. It is confidence in God's power. Kwamba is in control. He's in charge. Helmet of salvation. Confidence in Christ's eternal salvation. Kwamba mungu wa and it is sealed eternally. It is not a salvation that is capricious. Iko leo, kesho imepotea. Etena iko kesho kulingana maombi yangu. Iko tena siku ingine meenda. Confidence that my salvation is eternal. And then he charges them by saying, with all prayer. Prayer. Showing that my dependence, prayer is actually just that depending on God, not on myself. Dependence on God. He is the commander. He is the commander in chief for your kingdom. So, our overcoming the evil one is by knowing the truth. There are no physical strategies or mental strategies or verbal strategies or human words that you can use to make the devil run. But our weapons are knowing the scriptures, being firm in our faith, being obedient, understanding the gospel, and having confidence in it that it gives us the peace of God, believing that God is able, having confidence in his power, should of faith, confidence in his eternal salvation, it is sealed, and depending on God always, through prayer. Those are the weapons that scripture says are not carnal. Second Corinthians 10.3. But mighty through God. They are mighty or in divine power. In God's power, not ours. So we don't resist him by fighting him. Then, so brethren, understand that we have the enemy and he does not want progress. For example, he may not want us to start a fellowship in Nyeri. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but he can work to resist God's progress. But understand also that the evil one has been defeated. And uh, the, the, this roaring lion, the Bible describes him as a roaring lion. In my study, Roaring lion is usually a lion that is ile ya kupiga tukelele. usually an old lion yenye sasa it cannot be involved in the hunting process because love the men we meisha na but inatumiwa na zingine. Inaenda kujificha kwa the savanna pale kwa nyasi in the grassland. Inajificha. So when a deer comes or an impala hiyo ni ya kutoa sauti. Uh, in a roar. So that scares the impala to go the opposite direction. 
na zingine zaweza ndio zimengoje huko so understand the evil one has been defeated the bible says he Christ made a public a public spectacle defeating him that's why our dependence should be on god and not on ourselves but still but may the god of all ah no sio hapo rudi nyuma kidogo resist me steadfast in the faith knowing that the sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world so in our walk of faith in our suffering in our struggle in our resisting as we continue trusting god and when we are vigilant and sober alert in our walk tunafaa kujua kwamba hii safari hatuko peke yetu there are many christians all over when anaitwa elija anaenda kuambia mungu unaona sasa hata nimebaki peke yangu mungu akamwambia mi mwenyewe nime reserve not you myself i have reserved 7000 more and he doesn't even tell elijah where those 7000 are and who it is alimwambia ni minus na manuel amwambia wako wapi anamwambia because elijah should realize that he is not the one in charge boy ni mungu ndio ana reserve so kuna wengine wenye wako kwa hii imani there are many brethren who are desiring to grow and know christ So the struggles that you go through kuna wengine pia wanakutia your brothers and sisters eh, in the whole world wanapitia And then he goes on to say but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory of Christ after you have suffered perfect establish strengthen and settle you Mungu mwenyewe wanaema yote Remember it's all about grace eh? unmerited you didn't deserve you didn't work for it eh? unmerited mimeema mungu mwenyewe ndio alikuita the god of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by christ alituita kupitia kwa yesu ama alituita kwa yesu tuende kwa yesu yani yeye mwenyewe huyu mungu baada ya kuumia after you have suffered yeye mwenyewe he will perfect establish strengthen and settle you that means that through this suffering that you are going through you and the other brethren in the world god is using this suffering to perfect you god uses suffering difficult times sometimes luck sometimes um, struggle kukosa na ile whatever you may call suffering eh, that comes your way god uses those things to strengthen our faith if you want to test the strength of something you usually subject it to very hard conditions not soft soft <laughs> hard hard conditions you want to make test kama kitu iko sawa you can learn that from even our own life what happens So you are not alone and in this suffering that you are going through hauko peke yako na Mungu anaitumia kukupatia nguvu kukutengeneza to perfect you Somebody said that God's purpose 
is realized in the future, God's purpose realized in the future, involves some pain in the present. God uses the pain, the struggles of life to strengthen our faith. And that is replete in scriptures. In major scriptures, God breaking people to make them. And before he, he, he makes them to even to be used to serve, he takes them through a training. We know that even in our own world, before somebody becomes a soldier, he goes through a difficult training. In our education system, you are subjected to exams and tests. We actually call them tests. They are to make you become better. So, mateso ya dunia ni ya kutufanya tukue strong. And God uses them to perfect us, to establish us, to strengthen, to settle us. Some script, some versions will say to confirm, to confirm in place of uh, strengthen or establish. To establish means to lay you as a foundation that is not shaky. Perfect is to bring you to wholeness. He is using all those things to make you He's doing it because he's the God of grace. <laughs> so God himself is perfectly involved. I, I like the version but may the God of grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ there's a place he said himself and after you have suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself he will himself that means he's involved in this thing he will himself not you, himself he will perfect you while you are being attacked, he is using that. You see, these believers that Peter writes to are being attacked by the system, the government. He is intimately involved in your suffering. So in summary, it means So brethren, Mungu anatumia vitu matesi yabunia kutufanya tukwe na nguvu na kukamilika. That's what he's doing through the spiritual battle. God himself is actually battling. And through it, he makes us perfect, strengthened, established. So finishing up, I don't know, my time is in up. He finishes up by verse 11, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. That is actually an encouragement for an attitude of worship. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. When all is said and done, and even as we go through these times, these difficult times, all the glory and dominion returns to God. All our lives should be filled with praise or glory to God. That's our purpose for being, why we are here. Lakini, to give glory to Him. A worshipping heart keeps you from questioning God in the difficulties of life. 
and he is the god of dominion meaning he is the dominant one yeye ndiye ako sovereign kwa mambo yote he knows what we don't know because we are limited him he is not limited so all glory ni yake hata kupitia kwa hii mateso yote nothing is beyond his control because he is the dominant one and so we worship him and give glory to him the same words are written by peter in chapter 4 verse 11 eh? what theologians call a doxology <laughs> chapter 4 verse 11 same words eh? to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever so it's all about god's glory so peter namalizia kwa kusema verse 11 silvenas ndugu eh? yetu maminif vile namuona as i consider him. i have written to you silvenas ni silas unakumbuka silas 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 is the one who prayed with the paul in the milango ikatingika ika you remember that sunday school so we grew up singing ni yule silas faithful brother so that should encourage us to also be faithful what report can we have before others Paul seems Peter wrote this letter Silvanus or Silas ni kama ndiye alimwandikia alikuwa secretary ni kama secretary wake and then he sends the letter anasema I have written to you briefly exhorting and testifying that is this is the true grace of God in which you stand ile grace yenye Mungu ameoletea hiyo ndio ya ukweli do we have false graces that people may rejoice by love the grace yenye nasema umeokoka sasa unaizaishi bila unataka that is a false grace eh? <laughs> is that the one they call hyper grace or what <laughs> so tunasimama kwa ile neema ya ukweli ambayo ni ya kupitia kwa Mungu so verse 13 the one who is in babylon elect with you greets you so does mark my son babylon eh, could be accorded what which was referring to rome kwa sababu hawakutaka ijulikane wanatumia some coded language ndio wasi as a way of kujificha kidogo so babylon eh? wanaita babylon she could refer to the church that is in rome so she who is in babylon elect with you ama wale wa kristo wenye wako babylon wako rome hao pia wanatuma salamu this is a christian affection eh? christian affection we don't have to be together but we still love one another even when we are not together baka naambia greet one another with a kiss of love in that culture as it happens in many other cultures i've seen that in the muslim world there's a time i used to work in mombasa men would actually greet each other with a kiss of the cheek <laughs> so it is it's a cultural thing so men will kiss each other and women will kiss each other on the cheek as a way of expressing their love and affection So ni kusema tu tupendane na <laughs> tukue wale wa upendo. Finish it up by saying peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Eh? True grace truly brings us peace. Imagine these people are going through suffering na Peter anawaandikia na maandishi kwa kusema mko na imani. Imani kwa na nyinyi. <laughs> you can imagine that can only happen if God's grace is upon you. Amo naonaje? So I think I will end there. Remember that the scriptures are encouraging us to trust God 
we don't have to be anxious or think that we can take care of things. Maisha yako wachia mungu. You don't have to worry about any. Kimaliza shule nitaishi aje. Give your life to Christ. As he has saved you, he is in charge of your life. Trust. Be vigilant. The evil one is working through many ways eh? to destroy your witness, to frustrate your progress, to make you not effective. But be alert. Know God's word and resist him by knowledge of the word and being steadfast in your faith. And remember, you are not alone and you are only going to suffer a little while. It's only for a short while. You will go It's only for a short while. So have hope. It's only for a short while. It's in verse 10. It's only for a short while and God will come. And we'll rejoice forever. Let us pray. Lord, we are so grateful for the power of your word that you teach us this afternoon. Help us to be those ones who will give our trust in you and not in our strengths, in the accomplishments that we can make or achieve in this world, but to find rest and an abiding place in you, O oh God. Help us to be vigilant and know that, no, not to be ignorant of the schemes of the evil one that he uses and may use against us in our faith, to fight against our faith. Teach us and help us to master the weapons of our warfare that you will teach to us, O oh God. Help us to be victorious Christians in our life because of your grace. Help us to stand in your grace, O oh God. We are grateful because of the teaching of the book of First Peter, and we pray that these words indeed will help us to be effective in our Christian testimony. In the name of Christ, we give thanks and believe, pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to me.